Johnson out there. Um, he's just get pucks deep, you know, play the corners hard, see if good things will happen for him. Yep, we're back. Just dishing it. Number 63. Joined as always, John Toods Tutor. Big D, Derek Hoskins, our producer extraordinaire. Had a personal best round today. Take the floor, Derek. All right. At the one. Buffalo Tournament Club, you know, shot my personal best there before. Uh, it's just a good course. Greens are rolling real nice. Uh, it was a little slow day out on the course, but, you know, it's a beautiful day. Can't complain. Love to see it. Love to see it. Quick little golf clap. We support golf talk. We support personal best rounds, beating those records, healthy habits in the off season. Love it. Trying. Absolutely to. love it. Yeah, trying to. That's what. That's, that's all you can ask for, really, right? Um, Toods, I don't even know what to say to you, buddy. Those goddamn Rangers. Oh, what a joke of a game uh, seven that was. I I literally I watched like ten minutes of it, and then I just walked out when the Rangers were up two nothing. I was like, I'm not watching this team win and go on to the next round. I wouldn't do it. Couldn't yeah. do it. Absolutely hate to see it. Um, it's just those fans. Oh my yeah. god. Hey, you know what? what? You know what? Though, if there's a goalie that's going to stop them, they've played 14 games so far. One of them against the real NHL goalie. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Vasilevsky <laughs> is my uh, my last hope here. Yeah, it's going to be fun either way, though. Shesterkin versus Vasilevsky. So all those idiots, hopefully, that just like give the give Shesterkin some time to establish himself. You know, just a little bit before you go crowning them the next Henrik Lundqvist. Let's let's pump the brakes on that. But uh, either way, that should be a good series. But we're, we're not here to talk about too much of that today. we got to turn the clock back. We're going to be talking some Sabres. We're talking some prospects. This past season, previewing next year, it's going to be fucking awesome. He's probably he's the most recurring guest we have on the show, right? Yes, I, correct. Yes, yeah, he is. And, and probably funniest Twitter in Buffalo sports. Yeah, he's up there for sure. Folks, bring him back. Walter Zorowski, a.k.a. Sabermetrics. Walt, so good to have you back, brother. What's been going on? Oh, yeah, great to be back here. Feels like it was just the other day talking about the beginning of the last Sabre season, and now here we are in May talking about the end of this season and this upcoming season. I know, right? Time flies when you're having fun, I guess, when the Sabres yeah. are actually fun <laughs> to watch, which... uh Kind of caught us all by a little bit of a surprise, I think. I don't know. What were your kind of overall thoughts on the, the season as a whole last year, this past season? I mean, really, I, I think it hit kind of like that dead period, like before Christmas, where it's like, oh, it's just another rebuilding year with a ton of losses. And then really picked up towards the end of the season. As soon as they got Alex Tuck, as soon as he put on a Sabres uniform, I feel like there's a difference right there. And then those last few games with Owen Power, too, even though the wins may have not been there every night. I mean, they were looking like a really good hockey team, like a borderline playoff team. And I think, I mean, we were talking about how the goal is to kind of be like a Red Wings type team, even for just for next season. And I mean, I think they already reached that level to end this past season. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do next year. Okay, you said Red Wings. You're starting to scare me. You're not talking about how many yeah. goals we're letting up, are you? <laughs> What do you yeah. mean by that? <laughs> I mean, really just the Red Wings last year, they just had uh, two young guys like Raymond and 
um, Moritz Sider step in and really kind of just, I mean, they kind of fell apart towards the end of the year. I mean, (laughs) that part is kind of not what you want to see with the Sabres, but I mean, like the beginning of the year, Red Wings look pretty decent. And I mean, if the Sabres are able to play like the beginning of the year, Red Wings this past year for the whole season, I mean, maybe they could push for a playoff spot into uh, April, May. Now, Walt, I've got to ask you while you're talking about that, looking like a borderline playoff team, Derek made a bold prediction uh, last, two weeks ago now maybe on this show. He said the Sabres are going to win a playoff series before the Leafs. Still stand by it. Still stand what by it. What are, what are we thinking there? Is that realistic? Uh, I mean, it just seems like the Leafs are cursed. I mean, honestly, I have no idea what it's going to take for them to win a playoff series. I mean, every year I just think, oh, they're going to maybe just win one series at least this year, and then every year somehow it falls apart. So, I mean, maybe, maybe that that could happen. I mean, the Leafs just can't seem to catch a break uh, pretty much every single playoffs. Yeah, it didn't help you run into the Tampa Bay Lightning and Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah. That didn't really help their fortunes, especially going it ends up in a game seven, too. That's just – that's really tough. Yeah. But – in a weird way, I kind of enjoy it, but I mean, I just have to say, how much more can you stack that lineup? Like, what more? Like you said, what are you going to do to change to make a Derek to get a win Derek, out of that? Derek wants him to blow it up so Matthews comes to Buffalo. No, no, <laughs> that won't happen. I want. I'd, I'd take anyone else from that team, though. All right, Derek. Derek said it. Nylander to Buffalo. Matt, oh, the the better Nylander to it. Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but. Uh, yeah, the Leafs, man. They always end. They always end up coming up. Now, they always do, no matter where we're yeah. where we're at. It's just, it's amazing. <laughs> it really is, and it, it's different for us, right, as Buffalo people, right, as Sabres fans, because it's like we've had so much pity, so much anger, so much frustration. Where it's like, how much different is it? Like, yeah, we're yeah. we're we're sometimes we're hardly watchable, right? We've had, you know, that aside. But when you get these young guys in and, you know, things start looking up a little bit, I mean, how much different is that is, you know, the, like the two tortured fan bases, right? Like we at least know where it's like, all right, we're going to have fun until March probably. And then it's like, all right, what PGA tour events on essentially, or like who's, who's in the playoffs or for the Leafs, it's like, it's gotta be Leafs fans. It's gotta be horrendous. Like it, they're all, worried about their matchup like oh god who is this you know what i mean like it just what's worse i find myself asking sometimes obviously you want to be in the playoffs right but after time and time again it makes you wonder yeah i mean it's almost like they came and have fun in the regular season because really any regular season they're just dominating they're always like near the top of the division but they always know that once it comes down to the playoffs (laughs) that that's such a tough division and it seems like they pretty much lose like a coin flip with like every series, like every year. I mean, that pretty much seems like what it comes down to. I yeah. mean, all the game sevens they've had, all the game sevens they've lost with this group. I mean, it's just pretty crazy. That is quite wild. Um, I mean, enough about the Leafs for now. I mean, that's going to come <laughs> up, uh, you know, however many times, right? I want to dive into a little bit of the Sabres, right? I mean, let's start with some prospects. Like I know last time, a big thing we talk about is, you know, the drafts and the, the system, the health of the, the Sabres farm system and everything. So from the last time we spoke in that draft, we were getting ready for this past summer. Um, 
guys in the system, like give us kind of a synopsis of what you've seen that I mean, I don't know, disappointed you as well as surprised you or, or what's gone, you know, pretty much exactly what you thought you'd see from some prospects. Give us kind of a your long winded version of what you've seen so far from the guys currently in the organization. All right. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll just start off with the group down in Rochester. I mean, you have like Paterka there, you have Jack Quinn. Those are the two big names there. And I think, I mean, obviously they've just had incredible seasons there. Both of them like pretty much seasons for the record books down there, just with, in terms of their point production and really the guy like Paterka too. I mean, he was a second round pick, so he wasn't really expected to come in right away into the AHL as someone that's started the season at 19 years old and just come out and put up that many points. So just seeing him do that, I feel like is really impressive and also kind of shows that he kind of has that uh, extra dimension to his game. I mean, that offense that we didn't think he would have, I mean, obviously drafting him in the second round. I mean, he was kind of seen as maybe like a fourth line, third line type player, like kind of like in a Gergensen's mold with a little bit more offense. But I mean, the CZ out of the AHL with all the skill, it looks like he's at it. I mean, he's one of the biggest risers in the prospect pool for me. And uh, I guess if you look outside, I mean, really just in terms of their past draft class, obviously you have Owen Power in the first round. He had an incredible uh, eight-game sample for the Sabres to end the year. The second-round picks, that's where I think, I mean, really it's hard to evaluate uh, production in Russia just because those leagues are kind of like so dependent on ice time. Uh, so like Poldipov and Kisikov, I mean, I think you maybe wanted to see a little bit more production from them, uh, especially with the season Kisikov had the year the Sabres drafted him. You kind of hoped he'd maybe his point production would grow a little bit more playing for another season, but it kind of stayed a little stagnant. And Poldipov, uh, he kind of moved up a level up to the VHL, like Russia's AHL. And that tends to be a league that younger players struggle to produce in. He produced pretty well to start the year, but kind of cooled off as it went on. His production also, I mean, kind of hope for some more for second round picks, but uh, not really concerning too much. And then just closing out that draft, I think a guy like Nikita Novikov, you get what round they draft him, I think it was a fifth round uh, defenseman out of Russia. He played pretty much a full season in KHL for uh, Dynamo Moscow, which is one of the best teams in the league. Uh, didn't turn 18 until last June. So, I mean, really just seeing a guy do that is just really impressive. I mean, he's kind of just a big body defenseman and he kind of adds an element that the Sabres kind of need in their uh, D corps going forward with uh, kind of just pure offensive guys like Power and Darlene. So I think Novikov was a guy that really impressed me last year. And the fact that they could have an NHL defenseman with, uh, a fifth round pick is pretty impressive, especially drafting him out of Russia, which is the area the Sabres really haven't picked too much out of until this past draft. Yeah. Is he a right-handed shot? I believe he's a left-handed defenseman, which also <laughs> adds a bit of difficulty. With, I mean, obviously with Darlene and power, both on the left-hand side. Yeah. We got a, quite the log jam at left D there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the I I too like you. You seem to be quite fascinated with the Russian prospects. I find myself that too, just because we haven't had them for it feels like forever. Like yeah. it's just <laughs> up until this draft, like you said, it's kind of fascinating. Why do you think that was? Did they just were they not scouting over there? Did they not? What what was you 
what do you think's the reasoning for that? Or I don't even know if there's anything documented that we've that's been put out there. I mean, it seemed like there's kind of a shift once like the ownership group changed. And I know there's rumors that it was maybe like visa issues or something along those lines. And I'm really not sure what their scouting situation was like there because they did draft a guy like uh Vasily Glotov. He was like a seventh round pick in I believe like 2018, 2019. And he kind of that was kind of a pick out of left field because they haven't drafted a Russian in a really long time. But in terms of drafting Russians in the higher rounds, I mean, that's really something they've avoided ever since they picked Grigorenko. So maybe <laughs> they picked Grigorenko and got scared away for like a decade yeah. or something. <laughs> it seems like it. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, dudes, jump in here. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, you got you guys are the Sabres guys, so I, I don't mind letting you guys work. But one thing I saw today, Walt, um, Sabres just – was it today they signed their most recent uh, top pick? Was it Rosen? Uh, yeah, they just signed him like a few hours ago. Okay. Yeah, what's uh, what's the outlook on a kid like that? What is there a projection for where he's going to play? I know he's overseas right now, right? So there's a little question mark on if he'll come over here or stay over there. Yeah, I mean, with Isaac Rosine, I think he's a guy that you kind of forget about a little bit, even though he was a 13th overall pick. I mean, he kind of had a year in Sweden where he started the year in the SHL, didn't really get that much ice time. So they sent him back down to the junior team for a few games, produced okay there, nothing too impressive. And then they sent him down or they loaned him to an Osvangskin team, which is like Sweden's AHL. He did decent in like the three games he played there, three or four games, and then he had a season-ending injury. So, I mean, really the whole season for Rosine was really just filled with injuries and not a lot of ice time. So, I really, you really wonder how many, how much stride he made with his development just with not getting a lot of ice time with the injuries. So, I think it's a good idea to get him locked up with his entry-level contract, I mean, as soon as possible because obviously – they could loan him back out to Sweden. I mean, that's what a lot of teams tend to do. And usually guys, once they hit 20, usually their ice time in the SHL goes up. So even if Rosine returns to the SHL next season, which I think he will, I do think he'll get a bigger role there. And I mean, hopefully he stays healthy and gets a good development year. But he's an interesting player. I mean, a ton of skill, definitely a boom bust player because I mean, he's just such a small stature player that if he doesn't crack your top six, I can't really envision him in a bottom six NHL role. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's definitely a high ceiling bet that the Sabres made. Uh, it's not looking too good after that first year, but I mean, there's still a lot of time left with his development. Yeah, hard to judge it too much with the injuries and, and all that. That's kind of a big factor. But again, too, when he's the, the other first round pick, when you grab a guy like Owen Power, it's like, you know, I feel like if there's a time to take a shot like that in the first round for a franchise like this, that was probably it. Yeah. I mean, also, you get them in a wrist line and trade, too, so they could have gotten, like, a bag of pucks in that deal, and it <laughs> would have been a win for the Sabres. Yeah, well, how about, how about that? He, si he signs a five-by-five five to stay around in Philly. I mean, I don't, I don't know yeah. what they're doing on over there in uh, <laughs> eastern Pennsylvania, but uh, stay hot, Flyers. Yeah, I mean, really, it seems like the Flyers' whole goal is just to try to, like, sign, like, Johnny Gaudreau or something and, like, try to avoid a rebuild, but I have no idea what they're doing over there. <laughs> Why would you go there if you're Johnny Gaudreau, though? Like, you're, I yeah. mean, you have money, right? They, they'll be able to pay him, I'm sure, but, like, yeah. 
I mean, really just maybe he wants to go back home really bad, but I mean, I don't know why he would want to leave that Calgary team. I don't know why. I don't know why you'd want to go back home there, but hey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I thought Philly. he was a Jersey kid. Yeah. It's yeah. Close. I think he's a, I think he's like Jersey, but like the Jersey. I'd rather go to the kid. Devils. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. The Devils. I mean, Jack Hughes and Gaudreau together would be insane. Yeah. And you get after next year, Luke Hughes is headed there, I would imagine. Yeah, because like, like, he's going back to Michigan, I think, for next year. I believe I saw. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I don't get it, but whatever. That's Johnny Gaudreau's problem, <laughs> not mine. Um, still a weapon though, Johnny Ham and Cheese, as they call him. <laughs> Dudes, what I, were you saying? I I gotta think too. Like just looking down, uh, just looking down the list at Sabres prospects, and maybe maybe it's a local bias because I hear about it all the time living in Buffalo, but. I've got to believe they've got one of the most, if not the most exciting or intriguing prospect pool coming up right in the next, you know, two, three years of guys that can really make an impact in the league. I feel like there's a lot of teams out there that might have one or two guys you're keeping an eye on, but the Sabres seem to have this whole crew of kids that you've got that feeling they could come up and do something special. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really been probably since way back when they had like the Pominville Vanek, Derek Roy group where I think that was the last time the Sabres just had this amount of quantity, not just quality coming up through the system. So it's definitely going to be fun to follow. I mean, cause their last rebuild, like the 2014, 2015 drafts, I mean, really the only big deals in that draft were uh, Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt. And I mean, really nobody in that prospect pool progressed to more than like a depth player. So, I mean, now with this new prospect pool, it seems like they may not have like an Eichel, Reinhardt level talent at forward, but they just have that incredible depth there that, I mean, really the Sabres have been lacking for over a decade. I mean, that's kind of the reason why they're looking at like 12 seasons without a playoff appearance. Well, yeah, most of the time it would be like, like on those teams, you know, after we got Eichel, it was usually you'd have a first line and three third lines like that were yeah. you know what i mean like that's i always felt that that's just what the team looked like and it kind of showed production wise yeah yeah i mean really just unbalanced teams i mean really no prospects even coming up through rochester and those teams so he's had to sign guys like jordan nolan and like like i don't uh jamie mcginn i think was another depth guy that i mean really just guys like that that just aren't that good, but you have to sign them just to fill out an NHL lineup. Yeah. Yeah. You hate being, we, we're, I think we're all tired of that being the situation in free agency. You want to be f- filling those depth positions relevantly, not just doing it to reach the cap floor. Yeah. I think that's what we're all hoping for in the next, you know, this coming year, at least. Um, that brings up an interesting point though. I feel like while we just touched on that, I wanted to ask you too, what, what are the Sabres looking at in free agency coming up this coming year? I mean, I think obviously the number one thing is going to be goaltending. Uh, I know there's rumors that it's kind of like a mutual agreement between the Sabres and Anderson that like that he, if he wants to come back, they'll let him come back. I mean, I don't really think that's a good idea with him turning 41, but I mean, I guess we'll see, but realistically i think they definitely need a starting goaltender i mean someone that could play 50 plus games for them and i mean there's a decent market available uh, in terms of goaltending this offseason i mean it's still kind of a bit murky now uh, because you don't know like 
which teams are going to keep which guys. But, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if a player like Jack Campbell hits the market. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Philly Huso hits the market after the playoffs that Jordan Bennington just had. So, I mean, those are two guys that I definitely keep an eye on. And the Sabres just have so much cap space to play with these next two years. And, I mean, it's not even that they have a lot of cap space to hit the cap ceiling. I mean, they got a lot of cap space just to hit the cap floor. So, just in terms of that, I mean, they could offer any goalie just like crazy money on a two, three-year term and pretty much get whoever they want in this free agent class. Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting. And I wanted to touch on that more in the second part of, of the this episode here, but I touched on it initially because it's like, do you think because of that, they're going to, there's going to be a tendency to kind of rush some of these prospects. Like you obviously Paterka and Quint, do you like expect them to be up with the Sabres next year full-time? I mean, I think the expectation probably is that they'll be up full-time, but I mean, honestly with how a lot of guys played last year and I mean, really with free agency still to come, it's not that unrealistic to have a guy like Paterka or Quinn go back down to the HL if they're struggling just because, I do think they finally had that depth to uh, fill out an NHL roster. And I do think there's a lot of like older guys down in Rochester, uh, like a Brandon Biro, someone like him, uh, even Brett Murray, who got a few games last year. I think those are two guys who, if you see a guy like Quinn or Paterka struggle, I think those are two guys that could be ready to step into an NHL role. I mean, really, if they sign Victor Olison, they have probably like 10, 11 of the 12 uh, – forward spots already filled so that's something that we really haven't seen with the Sabres team in a really long time so I do think they will have the flexibility to send down a Quinn or send down a Paterka if they're struggling and we saw Quinn struggle in the AHL playoffs so I mean it's not that crazy to think he may have a rocky road in the NHL uh, maybe not for the whole season but for a few games or so. Yeah, you anticipate that a little bit, right? The adjustments to like yeah. how the game's played, the pace of the game, if anything. But I almost think with someone like him, you never know. Because you hear all the time how like some guys, based on how they play, that the AHL is harder. Like yeah. you got those guys that are hungry. It's just like a scrap fest. Guys fighting to try and get noticed, get up, get minutes in the NHL. And then sometimes like when they get up, they're like, oh, it's a little – it's just different. You might have you, it weird enough. You might have a little more time and space when you're a skill guy. You know, I've yeah. heard that a little bit, but obviously I don't know. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know, I know some of the guys, I mean, with their difference between like the NHL and AHL, I know there's a lot of them that really just say like, there's really not that big of a difference. I mean, really the NHL, the only difference is speed, but for the most part, like a lot of the gameplay is pretty similar. And I think for younger guys, even, I mean, the AHL, even the Amherst last year had some games with some like crazy, like full line brawls, like cheap shots and whatnot. Mm -hmm. You really don't get too much of that in the NHL anymore because a lot of the enforcers now are honestly down in the AHL. I mean, those guys used to be up in the NHL like 10 years ago, but yeah. now you don't see too much of that in the NHL. So I mean, for younger guys, I guess maybe the NHL is better because they don't have to keep their head on a swivel and hope they don't get like a elbow to the back of the head or something. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, a guy like Quinn, I mean, he's not the biggest guy, but I mean, really with his offensive skills, I think he should be able to contribute in the NHL, but it's going to be interesting to see what he does. Absolutely. Who would you, 
for Quinn and Paterka specifically, whichever one you want to start with, I've I've watched a good amount of their clips. I haven't watched too many full games, unfortunately. But like when you break down what you see on the tape or what you see in all these charts that you do that put my brain in a goddamn pretzel. <laughs> What what do you see from those two guys? Who do you compare them to currently in the NHL, would you say? I mean, I think Quinn, I think the most remarkable thing that stood out with him in the AHL this year was really just his uh, goal production. I mean, really just how effective he is as a finisher. I mean, like how good his shot is. I feel like how good his shot was is kind of understated a bit by fans after the Sabres drafted him. I mean, I think he could easily be a Victor Olofsson-level finisher in the NHL, I mean, maybe even more dangerous and close than Olafson is. I mean, really? it's just really remarkable how much he produced on, like, I mean, he really outproduced his chances. I mean, and that's something you see with all great finishers. I mean, that's one of the reasons why he put up those crazy numbers. And uh, I think the thing with Jack Quinn was if you look at his numbers, he was out there for a lot of goals against. I believe he's even outscored at even strength down in the AHL. And, I mean, Rochester is just such a pain to evaluate because, I mean, their goaltending has been pretty wild. I mean, at one point they were just signing guys from the ECHL to fill in uh, for some games. So it's like how much of that could be attributed to uh, that period of time in the AHL. But I think, like, the defensive game, I think, could have been better for Cohen in the AHL. But, I mean, once again, that could also be coaching because – a lot of times they really just wanted to play that running gun style down in Rochester, especially when Quinn was on the ice. And I mean, that pays off a lot offensively, but he also get burnt defensively. And I think that's one of the reasons why he was outscored even strength. I mean, I think Paterka, he was honestly a little bit better at even strength than Quinn. I don't think he has like that one standalone skill like Quinn does, like Quinn's finishing ability. But I mean, I do think he has like so many elements to his game where I think he could easily uh, be a top six NHLer someday. Hmm. And I think that's just, I mean, I think it's so much more than uh, we could have said of him heading into this season. I mean, I don't think anybody could have expected his production. And I mean, really just with his production, especially in the playoffs, I mean, even just watching him play, like watching the finesse he plays with, I think all that, all that I think like raises a ceiling on a player like that for me. And, I really think it kind of raises my expectations for the Sabres prospect pool as well. I mean, just having a second round pick like Paterka produce like he did is really just wild. And I mean, something that we haven't got to experience as Sabres fans in a really long time. He's just that name too. JJ Paterka. Yeah. Like he just sounds like an NHL player. Yeah. He's Doesn't he? the coolest name ever. Yeah. And, uh, That's half the battle as a prospect. You have to have an yeah. NHL name. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that. really – if you don't have an NHL name, I mean, it's an uphill battle. Right. right. Nobody nobody wants that jersey if you don't have an NHL name. Yeah. yeah. And the 77, too, I think that's a great number, especially for Paterka. So, I yeah. think I think he's already got it made as an NHLer. Yeah. And I, I really wasn't expecting you to say top six for him. That kind of yeah. surprised me. I don't know where yeah, else I – mean, thinking about it now, though, sorry to cut you off, I don't know where else you'd put him. Just, you know, size-wise, like you're saying, and the style he plays with. But, I mean, that's you get a top six guy in the second round, that's what you see these organizations do that we're trying to be like, right? Your Tampa Bays and, you know, 
whoever else you want to say, Colorado, even like you're, you're getting depth from all areas of the draft. Yeah. I mean like the Tim Murray years, I mean, they actually struggled to get top six, like AHLers in the second round. So, I mean, really just now getting a top six NHL guy in the second round. I mean, that's how you really start to turn things around and finally make a playoff appearances. You just got to do things that all the other NHL teams seem to do every once in a while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, As far as prospect going, I definitely want to transition to the NCAA guys. Um, I know you're definitely someone big on Owen Power, right? Obviously, we're going to touch on him, but same thing kind of initially that we did with like the European guys, just kind of take the floor for a, a couple minutes here. All the bigger, you know, NCAA prospects that we have, like what you saw, what you liked, didn't like, any anything like that, what stood out to you uh, for all the folks listening? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously I'll start off with uh, Devin Levi. I mean, I think he was the Sabres' top guy in the NCAA outside of Owen Power. I mean, he had a historic season uh, goaltending in the NCAA last year. I mean, one of the best seasons we've seen in the past 20 years. And uh, just the fact that they were able to get him as kind of what was seen at the time as a throw-in in that Sam Reinhardt trade is pretty remarkable. I mean, it's a bit concerning that he didn't sign at the end of last season, but I mean, the fact that he's sat in on some Sabres practices in Boston, that he's met with ownership uh, in Boston during the Frozen Four, that he's met with Kevin Adams, he met with the coaching staff. That's really not something you see with guys that plan on walking after their senior year. So I'm not, not really too concerned with Levi walking and, uh, the fact that he's in our system too. I mean, he's not the biggest goalie, but I mean, we've seen guys like UC Saros, uh, in Nashville, he's not the biggest goalie either. I mean, if guys can goaltend, they can goaltend. And it seems like Devin Levi just has that it factor, even though he's only a six foot goaltender, which pretty much goes against what a lot of NHL teams look for in their goaltenders. I mean, I know Tim Murray, was huge into uh, big goalies. I mean, guys that were six, four or taller. And uh, it seems like the guys, the guys coming up now with uh, goaltending with all the skill development they have. I mean, you're getting guys that are like sub six, one, like six feet tall that are putting up crazy numbers that could turn into really good NHLers. I mean, another guy is like Dustin Wolf in Calgary. He's another short goalie that's coming up through the system that could be a great NHLer. So, I mean, the fact that the Sabres have a guy like Levi, like putting up historic numbers like that is, I think that's just a huge boost to the system because uh, Eric Portillo's other goalie the Sabres have in the NCAA with Michigan, he's a guy who I'm like extremely concerned with walking. I mean, obviously because he is going to be a free agent at the end of the next NCAA season. So, He's really got no incentive to sign with the Sabres if he heads back next year, which he's going to, because all he's got to do is wait till the summer and he has his choice of 31 other NHL teams. So it's hard to see a scenario where he'd be like, all right, I'm going to sign with the Sabres. I'm going to compete with the top NCAA goalie that's probably also going to sign with the Sabres. Uh, I just struggle to see that happening, even though he – claims his reasoning for going back is to uh, finish his schooling, but I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of skeptical. That's an easy that, cop out. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's what I would say too. I mean, yeah, it, I'm just at what skeptical. point 
at what point last year, if if there was a point, did everyone kind of did people start to think it's going to be one or the other, but one of these guys will leverage that NCAA rule and just wait it out and then go somewhere else? Because, like you said, they're not going to necessarily want to go in there together, knowing there's only one starting goalie. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the Sabers are kind. Of, I know they're blindsided by Eric Portillo's decision. I think with Devin Levi's decision, they kind of expected really just the way his season ended, like kind of like tragically with that last uh, goal against he allowed. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I honestly think the Sabres probably thought they could somehow reel in both guys and have them both come up through Rochester. But as of now, it's looking like they're only going to get Devin Levi at this point. Uh, I mean, Portillo, I think he's a great goalie prospect. He's got much better physical traits than Devin Levi. But, I mean, losing him, I mean, it will hurt. I mean, because you lose a goalie that you drafted pretty high in his draft year. But, I mean, at the same time, I guess it helps that they have a guy like Devin Levi to kind of soften the blow. But, yeah, really just losing a guy like Portillo is definitely not good. And then talking about another guy who could potentially walk is Ryan Johnson. Uh, he was a Sabres first-round pick in 2019, and uh, he's a guy that's still not signed yet. He hasn't really committed to going back to Minnesota next year, but we're already headed into the summer, and he still hasn't signed with the Sabres, so it's looking like he uh, very well may return to Minnesota, and he's another guy who can walk at the end of next season. So, I mean, with guys heading into their senior year with the ability to walk at the end of the year, you do see some guys sign with the team that drafted them, but I mean, you also see a lot of guys walk and with Ryan Johnson. I mean, he's from uh, just outside Anaheim, California. His dad's a coach in the LA Kings system. Mm. Uh, I mean, his NHL defense partner, Brock or his NCAA defense partner, Brock Faber, also LA Kings prospect. There's just so many signs pointing towards him signing in Southern California that, I'd also be very concerned about Ryan Johnson potentially walking. Is there is there any – has there ever like – and this is a little bit of a different note, but has there ever been any talk of revising that rule? Because we've kind of talked about it on here before where I think that's the dumbest thing in sports where you can basically get drafted by a team and then just hang out for a few years and go sign with someone else. Like, Is, that, yeah. is there a chance that that changes at any point down the line? I mean, really, I'd imagine like the Players Association may fight pretty hard for that rule. But I mean, at the same time, there's probably guys that are like playing the CHL. They're probably like, we kind of want like the same thing that they have because like CHL guys don't really have the same option to ride right. out four years because I mean, their time in the CHL expires faster. So it's going to be interesting because it's definitely a loophole that I think it really hurts smaller market teams like Buffalo. Because, I mean, obviously, if you're like a young guy coming out of college, a lot of guys don't develop in one two year, one or two years. If you're spending three or four years somewhere, it's like, I got drafted by Buffalo. Let me just go to like L.A. or New York or Tampa. Uh, like, let me just sign with the team that's closer to being ready. So it's going to be interesting to see if they finally close that loophole. Because, uh, I mean, the Sabres could get hit by this loophole twice with Ryan Johnson and Portillo. I mean, hopefully not. But. Right. It's it just seems something. it just seems wild because a team basically is getting punished for drafting well, right? Like Yeah. 
Well, it's also yeah. like, why wouldn't, is somebody where you start hearing these whispers about Johnson and Portillo, it's like, yeah, Ryan Johnson, you're competing. You got Samuelson, Darlene, and Power in front of you playing left side defense, right? Portillo, same situation. You got UPL, you got Devin Levi's probably in front there too, right? But that's going to just get in there. That doesn't mean that you're you're still not – you don't have to necessarily be tied to it for that long. Like you're going to get good time to develop regardless. Yeah. Like they're, they're, you know what I mean? That's what I don't get about it is like, okay, what, are you going to go sign with Tampa? Have fun yeah. with that. Like You know what I mean? Like I don't – that's where it's confusing to me. It's like, yeah, maybe if you, what do you, who wouldn't want to play in St. Petersburg, right? But like, get some time and develop, get some NHL minutes, get some AHL minutes for that matter, compete. If, and especially not with goalie tandems, too. You would think like learning how to play like that could be beneficial to these guys. But it seems like, again, two smaller market teams, it always becomes a problem. And yeah. God forbid the Sabres get an undrafted free agent out of college because they all go to fucking Colorado, it seems. I don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> but I, yeah. I mean, Benny, to that point, though, like exactly like Walt said, I mean, with Johnson, it's a little bit different because of the, the family and friends ties to Southern California. But if I'm a 21-year-old kid coming out of college and I could sign with any NHL team I want and most of them want me, the sexy place to go is not Buffalo, New York. And I love Buffalo dearly, but if I'm, if I'm a 21 year old millionaire, like living in New York city or Chicago or Los Angeles, or, you know, one of those type of places, or even down in Florida, like that's probably going to catch your eye a little bit more. And it just sucks that, you know, some smaller market teams like, like a Buffalo could, you know, be hurt by that. That's fine. Then, Know that in your draft process going forward. When that's, you talk that's to these kids, I don't want a kid who's like that, if that's it, how it's going to be. I want you to want to play hockey. I don't give a I'm, shit what you do off the ice. And I almost wonder how you can screen that, but are there teams, Walt, that you've seen that kind of shy away from drafting NCAA players for that reason and they lean more toward the CHL guys? I mean, I'd have to look at that, but I, I mean, I definitely imagine there would be some, especially in the later rounds. Cause I mean, if you're drafting a guy out of like, say like the USHL in like the fifth, sixth round, mm-hmm. and he's probably not only going to spend like one year, two years in college, he's going to spend at least three. And once you're there three, I mean, you might as well just go four. it's just one more year. So I think in the later rounds, I mean, you just have so much more flexibility with drafting like European players, for example, uh, I mean, really, because you can hold their rights for longer. I mean, Russian players, you could hold their rights indefinitely. So, I mean, that's another benefit to drafting Russians despite everything else. So, I think, I mean, I think even with the Sabres, I mean, if they get hit with Johnson and Portillo walking, I could see them shying away from guys they think will take three, four years to develop in college because it's kind of like the Sabres got two things working against them with signing NCAA free agents and its location and just not being that good of a team. I mean, the Sabres could easily make up for the location if they had like a really fun team, like those 2006, uh, 2007 teams, but they just don't have that right now. So they're just a really unappealing destination. I mean, it's really just like Buffalo, Winnipeg, like teams like that. I mean, until the Sabres get themselves out of that category, I 
I would maybe shy away from drafting guys that would take a while to develop in the NCAA later in the later rounds of the draft. Was a guy like Johnson being a first round pick, was he a guy that people thought would take a little longer to develop or was he more of, did people think he'd be on a quicker timeline being a first round pick? I think, I mean, I think he was a guy that would take a while to develop. I think they always kind of thought that Uh, just because, I mean, he really stepped from like playing on the junior ducks, I think like a year and a half before he got drafted, didn't spend that much time in the USHL. And he was one of the younger players in that draft class. And he was kind of seen as a bit of like a toolsy player that still kind of had to put his overall game together because he was even playing top pair minutes in the USHL in his draft year. I mean, he was kind of like a second pair guy. So he was always seen as a guy that would develop longer. And I'm sure as a first round pick, they had a bunch of like discussions, like draft interviews with him, determining interest in the team. But at the same time, if you're a team like the Sabres where your front office kind of like seems to change over every three, four years. I mean, really all the guys that were there when they drafted him in that front office aren't, aren't even with the Sabres anymore. So when you have a situation like that, I feel like it doesn't help a guy like Johnson commit yeah. to the team that once drafted him. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about that because it's already been like that three years, basically, where kids yeah. who drafted him is not no, – probably I would bet none of those people are in the organization just about so- – it's almost yeah. like a college kid going to school and then the guy that recruited them leaves their sophomore year and they're like, well, now now nobody's got any allegiance to me anymore. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> NHL's version of the transfer portal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so while before we transition uh, into the, the second half of this, looking at, you know, the draft specifically and onto what the roster more looks like next year in free agency, which we'll be doing in part two here in a bit. Um, for you, I don't know if you want to go top five, top 10 in, in your order of, you know, prospects that you're going to be looking at to, get to the Sabres the quickest and have the quickest impact going forward. I don't know if you have, like I said, five or so specifically, you know, because obviously, right, you get like Powers, Paterka, and Quinn are going to be three, right? That's why I said like five to ten. If you want to just, you know, a couple reasons why, just run through a few of those names just, you know, for Sabres fans listening that really want to do a deeper dive into some of these prospects that they might not really know too much about otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, obviously, Power, Paterka, Quinn, those are the big three. I mean, those guys will probably get a ton of NHL games, like, as soon as next year. Uh, I mean, in terms of guys in Rochester that I think could contribute an NHL role, I think Lucas Rusek, I mean, he's a guy who kind of finally stepped it up in the uh, AHL playoffs. I mean, he spent most of the year injured. So, I mean, you really kind of expected a slow start in the AHL for him, but he really pick things up in the playoffs. I think it was like point per game in the last like eight, nine games or something. He's just a really fun player to watch. I mean, his skating strides kind of insane. It almost looks like he's like running on ice, but like somehow it works. Like somehow he still has like decent speed despite like a wacky skating stride. I mean, and he plays so hard too. I mean, always like the first to the boards, always winning puck battles, pretty smart player in the offensive zone too. So he kind of just screams like future uh, bottom six NHLer, so I think he's definitely going to be a guy that we see in a Sabres uniform eventually, uh, maybe even as soon as next season. Wow. And then I mean, 
another guy like in Rochester too is Brett Murray. Uh, he got a small sample size with the Sabres this year. I mean, really the fact that he was able to carve out an NHL career and, I mean, be a pretty good NHL or two in those games is pretty remarkable because I believe he went to, like, Penn State, transferred out of Penn State, had to go back to the USHL, played well there, committed to Miami, Ohio, decommitted from there, was pretty much a free agent. So Rochester gave him pretty much a tryout for the whole year. Then the Sabres offered him an entry-level contract, and then eventually he made it to the NHL, which is pretty remarkable. And he's just such a big player. Uh, I mean, really, we saw that in the Prospects Challenge uh, at the Harbor Center. The Sabres really just used him as kind of like a net front guy in the power play. I mean, at that level, really nobody could stop like a 6'7 power forward. That's uh, Brett Murray's size. I mean, he was kind of just a bully in the crease. And I do think he has the potential to be a net front guy in the power play at the NHL level too. And I mean, I think he's got some pretty good smarts too to be able to carve out an NHL career. But at the same time, it's really just a numbers game with the Sabres. Like we talked about before, just with so many guys from last year's forward group coming back, you have guys like Paterka, Quinn graduating into this Sabres team. The spots are going to be limited, but I mean, if injuries happen, I think Brett Murray is a guy who could get a chance and, could stick uh, to an NHL roster spot. So I think those are two upcoming. And then I guess one sleeper guy in the system that probably won't be on the Sabres next year unless uh, he has a great NCAA season assignment at the end of the year is uh, Aaron Huglin. He's always been one of my favorite prospects. Uh, He also had kind of like a crazy development story. I mean, the Sabres drafted him. He ended up with like a back injury and off-season workout. I think he was out of hockey for nearly two years. Uh, wow. So, I mean, he lost a lot of development time. Uh, so last season was technically his freshman season at Minnesota, even though he was like a Jason Bottrell draft pick. He started off the season kind of slow, but he went on a tear to end the year. And I mean, like his hands are just insane and he's got so much skill. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time before he kind of like tears up the NCAA. And I mean, Minnesota, they're obviously going to have a great team next season. I mean, honestly, probably the best team in the NCAA next year. And I think Hewlin, he was getting top line minutes. And this year, I think he's going to get top line minutes to start next year. And he's another guy that the Sabres kind of have to sign at the end of the next NCAA season just due to his age. And because uh, I believe his rights expire after his junior year. So uh, he's just a guy that, I mean, kind of just a ceiling raiser in the Sabres prospect pool if he uh, continues to progress with where he left off in the last NCAA season. I mean, he's a guy that could potentially be a top six player. I mean, kind of like against all odds, really because uh, he's, I believe, like nearly 22 years old, uh, still in the NCAA. But, I mean, kind of a unique situation with his development. And, I mean, the skill with him, I think, is just undeniable. I love it, man. Always love chopping it up with the prospects with you. Aaron Huglin, I watched a good amount of him too. So I, you know, big college hockey guy myself, really enjoyed what I saw from him. So he's, again, there's just so many now. So it's, it's weird having a, a radar for a bunch of different guys in the prospect yeah. world. But <laughs> we appreciate you always coming in, helping us keep it straight. Um, but yeah. So with that, everybody, we're going to move on to part two of this interview with Walt as we catch up. It's kind of a seasonal thing with us. It's, it's becoming quite rapidly here, but uh, yeah, we're going to focus on the uh, 
the draft free agency and what the team looks like next year. But Walt, we appreciate you breaking down uh, this past season with us and looking at the uh, past season for a lot of these prospects. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Just Dishing It, episode 36. See you next week. 63, Benny. What did I say? 36. 36? 63. Keep that in there. Everybody knows <laughs> that a long day. That's why Toots is the best co-host in the game. Keep the energy. Dishing It, 63. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week for episode 64 and part two of this interview with Walt, a.k.a. Sabermetrics. See you.